Good morning, and peace be with you. It's good to see you here this morning, and uh, I have announcements in the bulletin for you to check out, and I would appreciate it if you do that at your leisure. I will point out a couple of things, one uh, being our 60 years, uh, our birthday is coming up, and we're going to be celebrating it in November. And if this is something that you would like to participate in, uh, the planning is ongoing. And the next meeting is May the 4th at 11.15 here at church. And so if that's something that you would like to help out in or find out more about, I would invite you to come. We also have lunch with Pastor Ken coming up this Wednesday on the 5th, and that happens the first Wednesday of uh, every month, and it's a nice time of fellowship and visiting, and you get to watch Pastor Ken eat, and, you know, get the angle just right. I'm accomplished at that, so come and visit, and let's have, uh, let's have fun and fellowship together. Our church council meeting is this next Saturday on May the 8th. And everybody is welcome for that. We'd uh, appreciate you coming by and uh, sharing any thoughts that you might have. Uh, pray with us and help us to uh, hear and discern what God's will is for all of us here in, in our ministry to him and the kingdom agenda. The last thing, as we are seemingly getting close to the end of this odyssey that we've been on of COVID-19, you will see and recognize that we are still taking temperatures here. We are still doing uh, things to mitigate uh, the chances of transmission uh, of the disease. So we are doing the, uh, the temperatures, so I appreciate your patience with that. I think that is based on all the evidence that's been out there, one of the a very good determiner of whether somebody is, is uh, not feeling well. And so we are going to continue to do that. In addition, uh, we will be uh, writing down people's names that are in attendance, having you get your own bulletin, and practicing uh, hand sanitation and uh, distancing. So we're, uh, we're continuing to do that. And uh, we have been blessed. Uh, and protected that uh, nobody in this congregation that has attended this church has gotten the virus. So that's grace of God right there. Be that as it may, there still are people that are uh, very concerned and are not, are choosing not to attend services. And so once again, I want to say this to you all and and to any who may be listening, um, we want you to do what is right for you. We want you to come if, if uh, you uh, desire to come. And if it is in your best interest and in your sense that uh, staying away is the right thing to do, we want you to be able to do that too. And know that we love you regardless of your choice. And we accept you. Uh, at the terms of where you're at. So that's how Jesus would direct us. That being said, I know uh, also that there are people that are staying away and uh, may stay away for a long time. And so um, I pray, Father, that 
uh, through the Father that if you know somebody like this, that won't you let me know that they're feeling alone, that uh, they are uh, wanting contact uh, from this church. It is not our intent that any would be lost, but I found out that one was not contacted this last week, and I'm grateful that somebody spoke up and brought it to my attention, and so I did call that person. What I'm saying is your shepherd missed a sheep, and that sheep had its feelings hurt, and that ought not be, and that is not my intent. So if somebody comes on your heart, won't you please write a note to them or make a phone call and tell them that you're thinking about them? And even in addition to that, won't you tell me? And I'll make sure that that person's been made contact with. That way we do what we are to do, and that is taking care of everyone. So let us get started with our service this morning, our opening hymn, I Know Who Holds Tomorrow. I don't know about tomorrow I just live from day to day And I don't borrow from the sunshine For its skies may turn to gray And I don't
come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we are without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name, amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins, and as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord. 
For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation, blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O oh God, you make the minds of your faithful to be of one will. Grant that we may love what you have commanded and desire what you promise. That among the many changes of this world, our hearts may be fixed where true joys are found. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses uh, 26 through verse 40. And this can be found on page 1705 in the Pew Bible. 
In this reading, Luke writes on how the persecution of Christians leads to the spread of gospel by forcing them out of Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria. This is Philip's story in Samaria. Acts 8, 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kadeh, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who could speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Please tell me, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. We will read Psalm 150 responsibly, which is printed in your bulletin. This is the last book in Psalms and is the closing hymn of praise for God. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The next reading is taken from the first book of John, chapter 4, verses 1 through 21. This can be found on page 1902 in the Pew Bible. John wrote about the most vital aspects of faith so that readers would know Christian truth so we would be sure of our faith. 1 John 4, 1 through 21. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, 
which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they are in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have the confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. This one, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. The Holy Gospel, according to St. John from the 15th chapter, glory to you, O Lord. The Holy Gospel is from St. John, the 15th chapter, found on page 1676 in the Pew Bible, John 15, 1 through 8. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. 
You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And if you do not abide in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, as we follow him in Scripture, Jesus loves to use word pictures to help his people understand his teachings. For example, he speaks of his church as the bride and himself as the groom. He also speaks of his church as his body, and he speaks of himself as the head. And last week, we heard him teach that he is the good shepherd, the excellent shepherd. And we are the sheep of his flock. We are the sheep for whom this noble, excellent shepherd lays down his life and takes it up again. Now today, we hear from Botany Jesus, Vineyard Jesus, if you will. He is the vine, and we are the branches. Jesus tells us that it is good for us to abide in him, just as it is good for the branch to abide in the vine. So also, it is good for us to abide in Christ. Now, we no longer use the word abide. Really not very often do we say it or hear it. Not certainly as much as maybe it once was used. And we may well ask, somebody may ask, what does it mean to abide Especially, what does it mean to abide in Christ? Well, the word abide does not describe an action. 
Instead, it describes a condition. We have other words that do that, such as stand or stay, or in the NIV version that was read this morning um, that I changed, it said remain. When I say that a statue stands in the hallway, the statue is not really doing anything, right? It's just standing there. In fact, the expression, don't just stand there, really means you're not doing anything. Do something. Amen? All right. Do something depends on the fact that standing is not doing. The word abide is like that. It's not something you do. In reality, it is the way that you are. Now, a fairly simple understanding of plants makes it obvious that no one branch can live without the vine, at least not for very long. The vine is the source of food for the branch. The branch will starve to death without food. The branch must remain, stay in, abide in the vine if it is to survive. Now, a branch cannot attach itself to a vine. Either the vine grows the branch or someone or something must first place us in the vine. The Holy Spirit inspired Luke to record an excellent example of just how that happens. And we heard it in today's first lesson. You'll remember that God dispatched an angel to Philip, and he told him to journey to a specific place in the desert, and there Philip met an Ethiopian official who was returning home from Jerusalem. And apparently this official was very wealthy. He was loaded. How do I know that? Well, he was reading scripture. So that meant that he, he had a driver. He was traveling from Jerusalem to Ethiopia. So we can assume that there were ample supplies for the trip. And we read that there was room for Philip to sit down in the chariot with this official. This chariot really is a first century like and kind to today's limo. What is more is that this official actually owned a copy of Isaiah. And that's a big deal because at the time, all books were hand-copied. Luke identified this official as the treasurer of the country of Ethiopia. Now, although this man was well-off financially, he was not connected to Christ. We hear that when Philip asked him this, Do you understand 
what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? He was reading Isaiah, but he did not understand. And those who abide in Christ know that Jesus suffered and died on the cross to save them from sin. And they will recognize the words of Isaiah as words that describe that suffering and that dying. Let's listen to the words. These are the words that lead up to the words that were quoted in today's reading. Surely he was born our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. Then come the words that we heard in today's reading. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet we opened up not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth, Isaiah 53, 7. And Isaiah then goes on to say, he bore the sin of many and he makes intercession for the transgressors. transgressors. This is all part of of the great suffering servant prophecy of Isaiah that begins in Isaiah 52.13 and carries on through Isaiah 53. And this is the greatest poetic description of Jesus on the cross in the Bible, and it was written 700 years before Christ was born. The one who abides in Christ abides in his words and knows that the entire Bible is about Jesus. Philip knew that the Bible is about Jesus, so Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And although it takes only a few minutes to describe what Philip did, we should not think that his instruction of the official was equally as short. He, he had to tell him that Jesus was the promised Messiah. He had to tell him and explain Jesus' sermon on the mount. He had to teach him about the events of Holy Week. He especially had to teach how Jesus suffered and died and took away the sins of the world and then rose from the dead. He had to teach how the Holy Spirit gives the faith that receives the forgiveness of sins that Jesus earned on the cross. And he had to teach all these things and more. Now, the 
Bible does not tell us how long Philip taught, but it would not be unreasonable to think that Philip taught for the rest of the day and perhaps into the next day. We should not think that it was a few quick sound bites and that the teaching was finished. And some here think I go long. It's okay, you can laugh. <laughs> we know that the teaching was quite extensive because the official knew about baptism. And for as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. So the official desired blessings that the Holy Spirit delivers in baptism, and Philip baptized him. The Holy Spirit has now connected this official to Christ as a branch that is connected to the vine. It is, as Martin Luther said, whoever is baptized in Christ is baptized through his suffering and blood. Or to state it more clearly, through baptism, he is bathed in the blood of Christ and is cleansed from his sins. Jesus compared himself to the vine and us to the branches. We must remain in, stay in, abide in Jesus if we are to survive. Separation from Jesus means starvation for us. Now, nature provides an example of this separation that happens every autumn. Not so much here in Southern California, but elsewhere during the spring and the summer, the green plants are full of chlorophyll, and we know that chlorophyll is very green, and it gives plants the green color that they have during the spring and summer. We know that chlorophyll also helps plants use sunshine to make food and to stay alive. And when the weather cools down in the autumn time, some tree leaves grow a separation layer. The separation layer stops the flow of nutrition into the leaves. The green chlorophyll goes away, and all the other colors of the leaves start to show up. And these colors have always been there. You just can't see them because of the powerful green of the chlorophyll. The beautiful colors of the trees in the autumn tells us that the chlorophyll is gone from the leaves. It also tells us that the leaves are dead and that soon they will fall from the tree and the branches of the tree will look very, very bare. The fall colors are a bittersweet beauty. The colors can be amazing, so I'm told, but they are a reminder of death the death of leaves that have separated themselves from the tree. And Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. 
That's 1 John, or excuse me, John 15, 1 through 2. With these words, Jesus teaches us the sad truth that the church also has those people who grow a separation layer. The separation layer cuts them off from Jesus. This means that they are cut off from forgiveness and eternal life. They may be beautiful like the autumn leaves, but they are spiritually dead. And eventually, the Father will take them away. And Jesus contrasted those who abide in him with those who do not. He said this, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, and they are thrown in the fire and burned. This is a very terrifying prospect to be dried, gathered, and thrown into the fire of hell because we do not abide in Christ. This makes it very clear that there is no salvation except in Christ. He is the only way. So we have learned that it is essential for us to remain in, to stay in, or abide in Jesus. And this is all well and good for the people back then, the people in this story we just heard. They could touch Jesus. They could talk with him. They could eat with him. In general, they could just hang out with Jesus. But how did they abide when Jesus ascended into heaven? Indeed, how are we to do that today since we can no longer have his visible presence? How do we abide in Jesus? Well, Jesus gave us the answer to that question. He said, if If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, John 15, 7. And these words teach us that Jesus abides in us when his words abide in us. Again, it is as Martin Luther said, Christ adds this comment here. Just pay attention to my word, for everything depends on whether my word remains in you. So we see this, that to abide in Christ is to abide in his word, the very same word that Philip shared with the official from Ethiopia. So we see that the Holy Spirit uses the same word of God to connect us to Jesus and to keep us in, abiding in Jesus. And all who abide in Christ's word abide in Christ. They abide in Christ in this life and forever in the next life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Today
Please stand if you're able. <clears throat> Let us now confess our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, you have grafted us onto the vine of your Son. Prune us and cut off from us all sin and dead works that we may always draw life from your Son and produce the fruits of faith and good works. Lord, in your mercy, Lord God, your only Son came in the flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. Protect us from all false teaching and the spirit of the Antichrist, that we may always confess Christ to be our only true God and remain faithful to him. Lord, in your mercy, Father and teacher of all truth, guide teachers and all seeking to know more about being a follower of your Son in your word, that they may increase in understanding, faith, and love for Christ, the Lamb, led to slaughter in our place and risen from the dead. Lord, in your mercy, Almighty God, give health and guidance to our president and all in authority, that they may serve honorably and in accord with your good order. Lord, in your mercy, merciful God, you hear and answer your children in their hour of need. We lift up especially Sally and Mark, Randy, Sean, Carol, Jerry, and Jerry. Grant that they would bear their crosses with faith, ever looking to you, and so fix their hearts where true joy is found. Lord, in your mercy, oh God, you are love. And you always reveal your love through your Son. Grant that all who come to your feast of love may worthily eat of Christ's body and blood, so that whoever abides in this love forever abides in you, and you in him. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, you are gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Hear and answer our prayers for the sake of Jesus Christ, and your saints shall bless you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace.
Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and ever-living God. But chiefly, we are bound to praise you for the glorious resurrection of our Lord, for he is the true Passover lamb who gave himself to take away our sin, who by his death has destroyed death, and by his rising has brought us to everlasting life. And so with Mary Magdalene and Peter and the witnesses of the resurrection, with earth and sea and all their creatures, and with angels and archangels, cherubim and seraphim, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. This meal 
rejuvenates and feeds us. This meal is for those who abide in him. And you abide in him. I heard you confess him. I heard you praise him. This is a meal that makes you new again. You may be seated and the ushers will bring you forward.
Bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. After our service today, we have a delightful treat. 
coming to us in the form of coffee and cinnamon rolls. So please stay around if your schedule permits and let us go in peace as we hear the beautiful hymn in Christ alone. In Christ alone my hope is found He is my light, my strength, my song This cornerstone, this solid ground Firm through the fiercest drought and storm What heights of love, what depths of peace When fears are still, when striving cease my all and all Here in the love of Christ I stand In Christ alone Who took our flesh Fullness of God in helpless faith this gift of love and righteousness Scorned by the ones He came to save Till on the cross as Jesus died The wrath of God was satisfied For every sin on Him was laid Here in the death of Christ I live Can ever pluck me 
his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the park of Christ I'll stand.